0: Welcome everyone, this is Lo-Fi Bullet. with your host, Tyler Burn. We have past episodes on Spotify, Apple, and other podcasting platforms. I don't mind if you go back and listen, check them out. Episodes with Lucy, with Unity, with Rudy from Misery Tourism, where Nathaniel Duggan, the next guest will be doing a reading at Friday, September 20, 29th, 29th at 7. Go to Misery Tourism on Twitter or X. Find the link. Click the link. Go to the reading. Check it out. Unless it's already happened. Well, you can go to your YouTube and you can check out the video. There you go. Got all that in. Nathaniel Duggan has published death egg by back patio books it is out right now uh i don't know the website i will ask him all right Chuck it out when what's the website that people can buy the book from
1: um flat dog bistro and, of course, Amazon.com.
0: Awesome. Or when did you start writing poetry? Um, I went to
1: college for creative writing. But my focus was um, fiction. I was more... I always wanted to do, like, short stories, novels kind of thing. And I took a poetry class kind of on the side. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this is actually pretty cool. Um, but poetry... Was never my main thing which i i feel like this is a thing some writers do you'll like interview them for like a novel and then they'll say like oh but i'm actually i don't consider myself a novelist i'm a i'm a poet um so i, I don't want to be that annoying guy but i no i really was never really i
0: never considered poetry my big thing so who, it, like what poet like did you read and you're like oh i could do this shit
1: Um, I think kind of my first introduction to... Because, like, obviously, you take poetry classes, you read all the classic people, but when it really started to click was Matthew Rower. I don't know if you've heard of him. No. Um, I think he's an editor over at, like, Fence Books or something, or he was, but um, he was, like, the first poet I read where I was like, oh, this is, like cool like poetry can do this it doesn't have to be this one way
0: yeah so wait when you were in high school though did you write were you like interested were you like reading a lot of novels yeah um i've been i guess kind of writing my whole
1: life it kind of started as just like like as a kid i i loved like anime comic books stuff like that and i quickly realized it's a lot harder to draw (laughs) than it is to write yeah. So I was just like from the start um just kind of writing my own stories it all started like that I'm also the youngest of um three brothers holy shit and I was I was very much babied growing up I never never worked a job you know I would spend like all my summers inside watching anime so kind of the only the only thing I really developed during my youth was just like writing like mostly fantasy stuff
0: Did you ever write like uh... Like, look how, like, graphic novels were, like, written and, like, tried to write a script for a graphic novel. I never
1: did. Um, I wanted to. I really wanted to write comics when I was little. Um, I Which did a little comics? bit. of uh, I loved Spider-Man growing up. And then yeah. I just, like, liked the Japanese stuff, like Dragon Ball Z, Naruto, stuff like that, I, I was infatuated with.
0: Which Spider-Man comic?
1: Uh, like the the original, like the amazing um, Spider Man. Like I I got the huge massive volumes from like Volume One, Issue One, blah blah blah. So I I read those for years. What's your
0: favorite Spider Man like angle?
1: Green the Green Goblin. I love. It's like um like Batman has the Joker, mm-hmm. and the Joker's whole thing is he's like this crazy clown. He's like this foil to Batman's calm thing. But the Green Goblin like he's not even he doesn't even have that poetry about him. He's literally just like a guy in a goblin suit that just wants to fuck with Spider-Man. Like I I love that about him. There's no there's no like thematic deeper thing going on. He's just like this
0: goblin. Do you relate to that? Yeah, yeah, I think so. <laughs> and if you could write like a Spider-Man like storyline, what would you write?
1: I don't know. I've been like I don't follow I it's been years since I followed like western comics. Um, the only things I read these days are, I still follow my Japanese, my Shonen, my Shonen jump, my manga, but I don't, I don't know. I think like the one plot line I heard about Spider-Man that they did recently is like, or not even recently, but the one that stuck in my mind is like, I have a friend who reads comics and he told me about how like Dr. Octopus took over Spider-Man's
0: body. Oh yeah. That just sounds, like that. That,
1: that sounds insane to me. That, that sounds so cool.
0: He took, like, his consciousness or some shit. Yeah, yeah, something insane. Like, they have to keep, like, making shit crazier and crazier and crazier. Yeah. So, like, when do you make the jump to manga? Because I could never make that jump.
1: I just... It It was always there as a kid. Um, I had, like, this this VHS of, like, the first episode of Dragon Ball Z. And I would, like, rewatch it endlessly as a kid. And I think when I turned, like, eight or nine, my parents were like, Hey, you like the show there's a comic book for the show and you like comics. Um, and that, that was kind of the jumping point. It, it took me a little adjustment. Cause like the Japanese manga, it reads backwards. Yeah. So like just learning how to read that as like an eight year old was hard.
0: So did your brothers have that VHS? Like, was it theirs? They I think so. You? Yeah. It was
1: just like a family
0: thing kicking around. So have has your family always been supportive of your creative interests?
1: yeah i mean i was able to go to college for creative writing and they didn't give me too much flack for that um my mom has been super enthusiastic about the book but i think she's only read like a single poem she was like i love the poem about hockey yeah like, oh, thanks mom i think she likes the idea though of the book you know she like she likes the idea that her son is like a quote-unquote writer
0: yeah how long did it take you to write like all these poems like when's the first one that you had written
1: it's hard to put a timeline on it because it was always kind of like a back burner thing like kind of as i said earlier like my my main focus is fiction yeah and that's kind of what i was hammering away at but like every now and again i would sit down write a poem i'd have like certain certain sequences of weeks where I would get really into poetry for a little bit, maybe like I read a book that was inspiring. And I was like, Oh, I want to like, sit down and tackle some poems again. So um, I probably, I'd say I wouldn't, I didn't start until I finished college. So like around 2016 is when I kind of started dabbling. And just incrementally over the years, just piece by piece, I just, it was like, last year, maybe when I kind of went through the Microsoft Word p- document, and I was like, "Oh, I actually have enough for a book here. I think I I could actually like turn this into something."
0: So, when you put it together, were you like ordering the poems into like a narrative structure, or are the poems? Do you just want them to exist as they are? Like someone could pick up, read a poem, put it down, and then pick it up the next week, read another poem, put it down. I um, I did end up kind of ordering them
1: and structuring them. But I'm absolutely not opposed to, um, you know, just someone picking up a book of poetry and flipping through and picking poems at random. Because I've I've done that plenty mm-hmm. of times. Like, poetry, too, is so, I don't know, it's like songs or something where, like, you don't, there doesn't have to be an order or a sequence to
0: them. So have you, are you writing a novel?
1: No, I have um, a collection of short stories. I have a short story manuscript that I've been sitting on. But kind of my my thinking was I thought this way back in college because in college I started, you know, like overambitious class, classic. I um, started writing a novel and then I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing or what I'm trying to say. So uh, my goal from then was to kind of scale down and just, OK, before I write like a book book, let's just get the short stories down first. So that's kind of been what I'm working on for the past few years.
0: Have you... I was looking at your, your like what schools you went to and like I put it in your name and like your school and like other schools in Maine and like it just kept coming up with like you got I guess you were on like the dean's lists and you're like all these good grades and all this <laughs> shit. So like are you have you thought about like going into an MFA since you're like really good at school and all that? No, I feel like
1: I feel like I had that option in my final semester of college. People were kind of like nudging me in that direction And when I was graduating, I was just kind of like paralyzed. I was just kind of like stunlocked by like, oh, wow, this is ending. I got to figure out the rest of my life. And I kind of just did nothing, graduated, moved back in with my parents. And um, I started selling. I worked for like a a mattress corporation, a a mattress salesman. Um, And I just, I never took the grad school bullet. And I feel like I've waited so long, I can no longer easily do that because i tried i tried a couple times a few years later i was like well i'll just like submit a couple applications just to see and like i don't know i feel like now that i'm out of the culture of the college now that i like don't have a professor to sit down with and go over all the stuff i feel like i just i can't motivate myself to do it
0: well maybe it'll come in a few years i feel like the worst time to go into a grad school is like right after you graduate from your bachelor's i think it's better to wait yeah a few years and experience life and what life is like and then go back after like maybe 15 years or something. I don't know. No, I, I
1: agree with that's literally like what one of my professors said. was like, some of them were like, no, you should totally go to grad school right away. But there's this one guy who was just like, no, you absolutely don't want to do that. Like go out and, you know, cause you're so cloistered going into college too. Like the four years of university, it's hard to, I can, yeah, hard to jump from that to something else.
0: Yeah, because, like, right out of your bachelor's, you have no experience. That's all you've experienced is school and college. And then you're just right. doing that more at a higher instance level with, like... Yeah. You're just going to be stuck in there. You're going to be worse off after I that. Was, I was going to say, too, like... I don't know. Like, you pick up
1: a basic education in college, right? Like, you go creative writing. You have the workshops, blah, blah, blah. And I don't, I don't regret any of that. I think it was all very good and healthy for me. But, like, I didn't do any... I didn't start writing writing until a couple of years after that. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like I had to go out into the real world and actually like exist as a social adult before I could actually have words that had any value.
0: Do you think you'd host your own workshops online?
1: Um, Like, like do I use the internet as a sort of workshop?
0: No. Like if you created like for the month of November, like every week uh, you have four writers like send you their work and then you guys would like sit down in a zoom meeting and like talk about everyone's poem and they pay you like a hundred bucks to take this class that you're teaching. Like, would you do something like that? Me, Maybe.
1: Um, I think the community is there. Like I have friends I've made from Twitter. Like there's definitely enough passionate people where like, you could probably coordinate a group together like that. Have you heard of um, misery loves company? I go there every week. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. So like that energy exists, there's like an appetite of creatives who like want to get together and do their work. Um, I don't think I would ever take the like payment model pyramid scheme. Like I don't, I don't have that (laughs) confidence in my, like, I don't consider myself like a mentor. I feel like I'm, Pretty bad at giving feedback for writing, too.
0: I see a Um, lot of guys like opposed to the idea of being paid to do something like that when it doesn't bother women, they'll like they'll do it. It's it's fun.
1: I've seen like, um, like I think the meme, like I referenced the pyramid scheme, and I think that's kind of like the big going around idea because it's like, all right, so I'm paying a writer to get better at their writing. It's like just a bunch of, it's just a group of writers all stroking themselves
0: off, you know? Well, sometimes I think for me, it helps. I take a lot of online workshops just because all the other times I'm not doing anything. I'm not focused on like, okay, I have to write. I have to focus on this one piece. But then it does, it, it hurts when I leave the workshop. And then I'm like, well, now what do I do? Nothing. I can, I can see that. I also, I shouldn't knock the
1: workshop too hard either. Cause like. Again, just back to my college experience that's it's it really is genuinely productive and helpful to just like have a wall you can toss ideas back yeah. even if it's even if it's bad feedback, like a lot of students when you're in the undergrad, there's just like a lot of kids there who don't really want to be there like you can tell they're kind of changing their minds they're like, oh I actually don't I don't want to be in school for writing but even even the bad feedback can help too just like. I think that act of externalizing your own writing and putting it out there in the world is
0: super important. So when you write a poem, what is your goal? Poetry, like I feel like I can say with
1: fiction, I walk up to the page and I have like an idea, I have an outline. With poetry, usually I have no idea what I'm doing It's more, I'll have like a very specific image in my brain. I'll have like one little line that I think is clever that I want to build off of. I don't know, it sounds like pretentious, but poetry is much more like puzzle solving. It's like rearranging pieces and putting them back together. Whereas fiction feels more like creative and I'm going for this theme, I want to spread this message. But poetry feels like piecing things together to me more.
0: Would you like to read one of your poems? Uh, Sure. Like places to escape on page 13. All right. Wow, good thing.
1: I actually wasn't going to bring my book out. I have them oh, in, a, really? in a stack in my closet. Yeah, I was like just going to keep it there, but I was like, oh, maybe I maybe I should bring it out. All right. Places to escape. Arctic scientists discover a new type of suicide. Contagious and sweeping. I had lost interest in my own life. Breaking nightly into the psych ward to rave about oversized dolls. Doors behind mirrors leading to more doors. It can be hard to distinguish between places to escape and to infiltrate. Sometimes you have to rob your own grave. Sometimes you eat around the bone.
0: I was thinking about this poem. And it reminded me of like when I go on YouTube and I watch people go into dead malls and they narrate themselves walking around a dead mall and then at the end of the video they start talking about how the dead mall could have survived and they get really interested in like the business aspect and when i'm watching that part i really don't give a shit about that part or how the businesses (laughs) could survive i'm way more interested in like how we like want to participate and we're like there's something interesting about just a dead mall but i'm not interested in the other stuff of how it became dead but how it got there I, yeah. yeah i just like participating in the dead or just being around something that's dead because that kind of brings you like makes you come alive and then like all these feelings i'm having and the what the narrator's feeling i feel like you really encapsulate this like confusing mass of emotions into and you distill it down into a single poem and like many of your poems because there's so much shit going on. Do you agree or disagree? No, I. That's thank you. That's
1: that's very very kind. It's also it's funny that you chose that one because that that one is kind of one of my favorites too. Um, the dead mall example is really interesting too. It's like what's it's like that internet meme like liminal spaces, mm-hmm. like places that serve a sort of function, but then you you take them out of that context. Like you take the consumerism out of the mall. And then it's just like this really surreal, beautiful thing that exists. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Like, have you ever ever watched like defunct land on YouTube? I don't think so. They get like super invested in theme parks and the parts of the theme parks that are no longer like used and like, and like, Rides that have been like replaced by other rides and what rides used to be there and the parts of the old rides that are existed within the new rides it's very it's very time consuming yeah <laughs> if you're bored and you have no time you just watch that no I love that it sounds right up my alley so I feel like some of the poems they do parallel with other poems in the book do you feel that yeah. Um like I feel like twins or something. I feel like I also um
1: I love to plagiarize myself. Um if I have a good idea, I'll probably just recycle it. Um like even even the title Death Egg, like I use that in several poems, I think at least two. Um I don't know. I feel like people often talk about like writing being obsession too, like you're you're working through these fixations, and you know if writing was simple, like if it was just like a sentence, that would be mm-hmm. it, right? Like if I could just say what I wanted to say, then I could just be like, you know, like I feel depressed in post-capitalism America. You know, like that mm-hmm. would be it, and I wouldn't need a book. But it's these feelings aren't that simple, um, and you
0: that's like why, like reiterating a certain feeling, and you're trying to get it out. And you get it out once, but it's like it's not really the way you wanted to, so then you go back yeah. and try again.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, I get that a lot. Or I try to do that in my writing. Or the I mean it just happens. Yeah and I need to yeah. When do you know that you're done with a poem?
1: Oh, that's a good question. Um there for the longest time I didn't know and it's like one of those things it's like um i don't know like trying to describe like what a color looks like or something like something in my brain just clicked one day and i was like oh okay like this is a finished poem like i don't need to mess with this anymore not to even say like i still am at the point where like i like someone to take a look at the poem and give me feedback
0: Mm -hmm.
1: sometimes like there's still some poems where i'm like is this done should i tinker with this more but um I think just over over the years that was a big step in writing poetry. It was just like once I knew like, okay this is the poem in its final state and I, I couldn't begin to tell you what that like is in my brain. It's just I, I've heard um, some interviews I think it was like Blake Butler who said like, I know the writing is done when I just like can't stand to look at it anymore. When oh, I just yeah. get sick of that. I think that's like a pretty good line.
0: So when did you like Find like uh, a community on like the internet. Like, did you ever like go to HTML Giant? Um, I know
1: of HTML Giant. I never, I didn't really regularly browse it. I think it all started. I went to college for creative writing, and um, I like was kind of. I just found like um the material they were giving us just felt shallow, mm-hmm. like you wouldn't again, it's entry level. It's like a BFA it's not an MFA. So they were very much like, Oh, you're learning to write. All right. So for your first two semesters, you're just going to read like Raymond Carver and Hemingway, And that's it. I was like, Oh, but I want like more, but I don't know who to read. So I went to the internet and I, I started in like, I went to like a subreddit for writing and it was horrible. It's like, it was the most toxic place I've ever been to. Um, Then I went to 4chan. I went to the 4chan literature board. And that was pretty bad, but it still had... It still introduced me to um, some good stuff. And from 4chan, I heard about Tao Lin. Yeah. And Tao Lin, I was like, oh, it's this guy on Twitter. What's Twitter? So I went to Twitter. I found Tao's Twitter. I fell in love with it. And I wanted to do that myself, so I made a Twitter. And from there, it all just kind of fell together. Like, if you make a social media account and you post and you publish writing, you you'll find writers like at least in my experience.
0: So you're inspired by Talon's Twitter.
1: Um, Yeah, I think he's changed a lot in the way he posts. I really liked and I'm not saying his current style is bad or anything. It's just like different from what it was. But my my ideal era of Twitter is like early 2010s Talon and Megan Boyle.
0: Did you read her... Didn't she get published by uh, Tyrant and she has like that giant... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I,
1: I own it. Um, I haven't read through all of it yet though, regrettably. I really I really need to.
0: When did you find them? Like, when did you find Tyrant? Like 2014, 2015. Did you ever send anything? Have you been published by them?
1: Um, No.
0: Did I've... you send anything?
1: I believe so yeah i think i have it's hard like with because tyrant is like i don't know there's so many um of these like top level publishers that you want to get published with and they're so obscure like i don't even know if they accept submissions like you basically get published with them because you know someone who knows yeah. them you know like you, you get to invited know. to publish yeah. or something i think um Taolin lin has done he has mumu house and that, like, had one open submission period that I saw in, like, the past five years. He had, like, one month where he randomly was like, hey, just send me some stuff.
0: Well, didn't, like, Zach Smith get published by him because Talon read something by Zach? Yeah, yeah, Um, which is pretty cool. So, do you know Zach just through email?
1: Yeah, I submitted, um, back during the pandemic, he did, like, a little project called the Quarantine. i submitted to that and i don't know if it was just like we were all going insane from like lockdowns and stuff but i like submitted and then included like some rambling email lines and like he responded to those you know Mm -hmm. instead of just being like hey cool piece i'll accept it he was like oh interesting points tell me more about that and we kind of just opened up like a dialogue and it it just didn't stop like I replied to him and then he replied back and suddenly we had like this massive email chain.
0: Right.
1: Um, it's been going on for years. Yeah.
0: Have you talked to Cav?
1: Yeah. 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 Kevin oh. was um one of the, I think he was like the first person. No, he was one of the first people to publish the poems in this book in earlier forms. Oh, cool. They first appeared on um back patio and he was like one of the first people I ever submitted to.
0: When did you meet Gigi? Um,
1: he is one of the, so even before back patio, before any of that, he is one of the OGs I met on Twitter. Really? So like I had like 40 followers or whatever, and somehow we just found each other's accounts and we liked each other's posts. And like he DM'd me one day and was like, Hey, not to be creepy or anything. I just like, I think we have very similar tastes and interests and we post about the same stuff.
0: And you've met him in real life. Yep. And you drank with him and chewed glass. Yep.
1: Yeah, we um, we smashed a bottle of Bacardi, got glass in our lips from sipping it, pretty sure. He tried to introduce me to like a Korean drinking game where you take a shot and then you slap the other person. You you drink the shot and then they slap you. That's awesome. And it's it's sort of it replaces like um like a chaser. Yeah. You like you get so shocked from the slap, you don't feel like vomiting from the shot. But I was I was terrible at it. I'm too gentle. I couldn't how, bring myself
0: to hit him hard. How drunk have you gotten with him? That night, I mean it's hard to measure drunkenness, but I was pretty hammered. Yeah. Did you black out? No, surprisingly. Have you ever done any hard drugs?
1: Yeah, I've done um mushrooms, LSD. I wrote I wrote a post uh for Hobart, I wrote a story about doing LSD. We're not a story. It was like a nonfiction piece, but um, I accidentally just like I wasn't dosed, but I took acid and I thought it was going to be a lot less than it was. Mm-hmm. And I was skiing. So I like got I went to the top of the ski mountain and I was like, oh, I'm like, I don't e- I can't even feel my legs. Like, I don't how am I going to get down this mountain? Like I did way too much.
0: It was horrific. wild. To like take LSD and then go like go do like an activity.
1: Yeah, well, I've, I've done microdosing, and I know it's kind of become like a joke or like a Silicon Valley bro thing, but it, you really, you can legitimately microdose, and it's really cool, and it's like all the positives of tripping without the, like, paralyzing negatives. You just, like, you very gently trip, and your thoughts get a little disordered, and you're able to look at the world in a different way. So I thought I was microdosing, and instead I dosed heavier than I've ever taken anything in my life. And I was like, Oh my God, this sucks.
0: How'd you get down? I'm skied. <laughs> yeah. And you landed and it's horrible. Yeah.
1: I was, I'm like so grateful. I didn't get injured from any of that.
0: You should put that in a novel. That's like a scene from a novel. Yeah. Um, you, you reach
1: a certain point during it though. Cause I think you can keep your head too with acid at least. Mm-hmm. Maybe not so much with mushrooms, but with acid, like you reach a point where you're just like, okay, I'm like tripping balls. This is happening. I need to get down to a safe place. The only way to do that is this. And you kind of just work through it step by
0: step. Yeah. So like, what novels are you reading right now?
1: Um, God, I just read War and Peace. Holy <laughs> shit. I, um, like I mean, reading, I've, like... been un- I've been unemployed for six months, so that that ate up
0: some time um so you're reading like canonical books i i vary i
1: like to read i want to read the classics like i just started ulysses now but um in terms of writing those don't like inspire me like i don't read war and peace and want to write a book after that Um, I think it's like a masterful piece of art and blah, blah, blah. But like, Mm -hmm. I don't read that and think, wow, I'm learning about writing. Um, I like to read more modern stuff, um, especially short stories like Joy Williams, Laurie Moore, that kind of stuff. I like to have a balance. Like I like to have stuff I read where I'm like, oh, this makes me want to write. This is inspiring me. But I also like kind of like big, dense comfort books like Moby Dick, War and Peace, just something to like settle down and read and have your brain turn to mush over.
0: So what drives you to read the canonical books?
1: Uh, An appreciation, I think just like, I want to know the roots of writing. I want to respect it. And they're also good. Like war and peace is like the most insane soap opera you've ever read. Like, Mm -hmm. I can't believe like it, I'm reading it now in the 21st century and it still holds up. It's just, like, it's wildly entertaining. It's more entertaining to me than, like, George R.R. R. Martin, fantasy, Tolkien, you know? Like, mm-hmm. and he, he shit-talks a lot, too, in War and Peace. He'll have these, like, extended passages where he just stops talking about the plot and just goes on a rant about how, like, Napoleon is the worst commander to ever serve in any military, and he's, like, a horrible embarrassment of a human being. And I just, I don't know, I just I really, I really appreciate the cleverness and like the wit and the intelligence that goes into all of that. Is it a nonfiction book or is it like fiction? It's fictionalized. There's definitely like stuff that didn't happen. There's stuff he's making up, but it's all I think based on like real people and real actors. And he's like, part of the book is to like actually make political points. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of it is just him, like trying to lecture the reader, which is amazing to me because like, usually that, that should just be like unbearable. Like when the author steps in and it's just like, no, this is why Russia is the most glorious country on earth. That mm-hmm. should be horrible. And like, you know, like show don't tell or whatever, but it works.
0: Like, I was like, all right, Tolstoy. Yeah, you should do that. Like in a long poem, start berating the reader. <laughs> I think I, I maybe I do it a little bit. Maybe. In Death you, Egg. Have, when, when did you meet? Uh, have you met Sebastian? I haven't met Sebastian. That'd be cool, though. Have you hey. Have you interviewed him before? Yeah, he was on here. Oh, nice! I should. I gotta listen to that. You got. You should like invite him for like a online reading or something. Yeah, yeah. No, I I like Sebastian a lot. He's a super cool guy. So he gets along with you guys, like Troy, James Weaver, the mush guy. What's his name? Irvin Grush or something? Graham Graham Irving? Yep. Yes. That's what's his is. When is his book coming out? Next year. Next March. Okay. yeah so what is the t- the title of this book is death Egg does that come from a sonic video game
1: yep that's um I think it's the original Sonic, the very first one I want to say, but it might be Sonic two it might be Sonic three sonic and knuckles um but yeah it's it's from the Sonic series the whole idea came from like um I did a tweet where I was like. What video game levels would make the best poetry titles, and I came up with Death Egg, and I was like, "Oh, that'd be a sick name for a poem, and then I was like, "Wait, I should write a poem titled Death Egg um and that ended up becoming the title for the book.
0: Have you tried to write are there any specifically like Sonic poems like you're trying to like take Sonic running and you're trying to make a poem out of him running I don't um the beauty I don't of his running. I don't think so, but I think
1: because um, I've read like video game themed literature before and it, it like runs the risk of becoming really cringy, right? Yeah. Um, and I think my goal too is like I wanted to write stuff where the reader didn't need to know what I was referencing. Like if you get the reference, cool, but it's less about like knowing that the Death Egg is a level in Sonic. And more just enjoying it for what it is. Um, In his blog post, Zach Smith wrote about publishing my book. He said he was like... He didn't even know until a couple weeks ago that Death Egg was named after a video game. And I thought, I like that.
0: (laughs) So, is it related to the Eggman? Dr. Eggman? And have you seen the Sonic movies? And what do you think about the movies?
1: Oh, I I love the Sonic movies. Um, Yeah, the Death Egg... So it's like a interstellar fortress that Eggman has created. It's like a planet-sized fortress, and it's shaped like his face. So it's like the space station thing is shaped like a giant egg, but has his face on it, which mm-hmm. is awesome to me. Um, and then, yeah, the Sonic movies—I I was honestly blown away. I didn't think they'd be good at oh, all. Oh, really? I haven't seen. Yeah, any. I no. They're for what they need to do. They're good, and they do it. Um and I'm yeah the casting's good the the CGI effects are all good it's like a moving story they did the best with what they had Do you like
0: Sonic Adventure?
1: Yeah I like um I like Sonic Adventure 2 the most I played Sonic Adventure uh-huh. um but I'm not as well versed I'm right now in the end of my unemployment I'm trying to perfect Sonic Adventure 2 so basically they have like a ranking system in that game where you can do levels and you can like beat the level normally and they'll score you. So I'm trying to get the best score on each level in that game. I'm like 40 hours in. It's destroying me.
0: So are you like a part of the speedrunning community? No,
1: no, I'm um I I like watching some speedruns. Um, but the knowledge and the talent to do it is beyond me.
0: Have you seen the Chibi controversy? Yeah. Yep, yeah, that's a classic. Yeah, that's... Uh, you should write a, like a poem that has something to do with that. It's like such a sub-niche thing I just found, like <laughs> going through YouTube one day, and then like every few months I return to it, and it's just the strangest controversy. I couldn't even try to explain it. It's for real, yeah. It yeah. So, what gaming system did you have it for? Um,
1: so... Growing up, I played Sonic Adventure 2 for the GameCube. Mm -hmm. But nowadays, I actually have a PlayStation 3. And you can download Sonic on that. Um, But yeah, I'm using kind of uh, old-gen hardware.
0: Are you holding out for the PS5? Sort of. um,
1: It's basically... I have such a backlog. I own a Nintendo Switch, too. But I have such a backlog of stuff where I'm like... I would really like to buy a PS5 or whatever... But I just like I literally have like 20 games that I can beat right now that I still want to play, so like, might as well.
0: What job are you looking to get if you could pick any job? Oh
1: man, like um, just entry level data entry work from home, just putting things in a spreadsheet, just low level, low stress. I would love that. Have you done that before? Yep, that was my uh, my previous job. So what? What where did you? Where did you work? Um, so I worked in real estate. I worked for like a smaller company, but I wasn't. I was more in like the back end again, just data entry, um, just like tracking loans and putting them into a computer.
0: So you're like a math person. You're like good at math.
1: No, not not at all. No, I'm I'm oh. terrible at math. But um, for this, you didn't you didn't really. It was more um. What do they say it's like detail oriented you're literally just like looking at charts and being like are there any discrepancies no good (laughs) how do you get that job it's like having I, i went through a recruiter um i got some job recruiter landed me and then they sent me to a bunch of different places and finally this job hired me but um this is kind of the thing about the college degree Where, so I went to school for creative writing and the meme is like, you'll never get a job with that. Um, But just having a college degree gets you in the door with a lot of these places. Like I didn't, I don't need my degree in the slightest for that job I did. Like anyone could do that fresh out of high school, like Mm -hmm. literally anyone. But for some reason, having the degree gets you like an extra stepping foot in the door. Even, yeah. even with like selling mattresses, they were like, you either need like two years of retail experience or a degree.
0: Yeah. Cause I dropped out of my bachelor's in like 2014 I went back in 2019 and just like every semester I take one or two courses and I'm almost, I almost have my degree, but like you do go back and forth whether you should, does it matter now? Right. But like, I've been unemployed for longer than six months. I don't want to say how long. <laughs> nice live with yeah I, live with my dreams yeah oh yeah it's terrific man <laughs> this is the worst dude i yeah I, I wish man like data entry that just sounds like the greatest job to me like in my head I'm like oh i could just like do something like that there's so many of these jobs you're like oh i could do that if i just like just let me fucking do it but you can't you have to like go. that's the thing an, yeah stupid interview
1: And that's what I'm finding, too, with, like, my own experience right now trying to re-enter the job market is, like, there are the jobs out there, and I'm submitting to them, and I'm just not getting the application picked up. It's, like, it's just, like, you need an in. You need someone to just, like, a human being to talk to you and be, like, oh, yeah, I'll hire you. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and they have to, like, have already known you, and they have to like you. And it's, like, so, so much stress built on this, like, one interview whether you're going to do good or not and like do you study for it or you just go in and like fuck around and yeah when i got
1: hired for that job it was um literally my manager just talked the whole time through like the person hiring me who would then be my manager just like talked over me Mm -hmm. and it was awesome because like she just said everything she was just like can you do this i was like sure and then she rambled and i was like all right
0: yeah, it's when not I, got my my, I get hired, I worked at a night crew at a grocery store for like five or six years. And like when I got that job, I mean, that's pretty low level job. They just talked me through the interview. And then like now my interviews, I don't know what to do on those.
1: I've oh. always wondered that's kind of like a, a fantasy now where it's just like, well, at this point, I just like need to get work to pay my rent. Like, should I just like pick up a shift at like the grocery store? Because like they, they are desperate for help. That's, that's I feel like that's one of those fantasy
0: jobs of like I don't know. You should do it just for a few months. It's hell. It's fucking backbreaking. Unless you take Adderall or something, it's hell to get through.
1: Nice. Yeah. I did um I've done some line cooking stuff and that's that's miserable. I would never recommend. I I hate working in the kitchen. Wouldn't recommend it to anyone. I've done like a local like a small fish store that sells
0: seafood. That's also hell. Yeah. Well, there you go. At least you're getting these jobs, though. How long have you been? How long did you work at these places?
1: So uh, I worked at the mortgage place for like two years, two and a half ish. Um, But I, I go through these like weird periods of unemployment. Like I graduated college, I got the mattress job, and I did it. And I was like, this is like soul crushing. Like sales is that'll really take the optimism out of your soul. And I was like, I I cannot do this. And I I quit without a backup plan, but I had enough savings. So I just kind of quit and I skated by for a couple months. Then I started working in like a kitchen and that was miserable. So I just, again, just quit. And then I was unemployed for like a year. And then I finally found, I ran out of my savings, moved back in with my parents, got the job with the mortgage. Did that for two years. And um, they had a permanent business shut down. So they they went out of business. Oh, I gosh. was laid off, which I'm very lucky because I got like a severance out of that. I got like um, unemployment insurance, um, and that gave me kind of time to just kind of like I chilled the summer. I published the book. I was able to like more actively be involved in the process of creating the book with Back Patio.
0: When you're unemployed, do you feel pressure to like? Oh no, I need to go write.
1: Yeah, sort of. I don't. I don't put that pressure on myself, but um, what's funny is I probably am at my most unproductive when I'm unemployed. Yeah, me too. I my unemployment periods, I really I do the bare minimum. Um, whereas, like, like even just last year when I was working full time, sometimes overtime, I read a hundred books. I did like a blog post. I did a fourteen thousand word blog post on it. I finished this death egg poetry book. I finished my fiction collection. Like, I don't know, it's something about like when free time isn't free, you feel more pressured to use it. Yeah. But when you have too much free time, I just I idle. I have no I have no discipline.
0: Mhm. So, are you going to publish the fiction stories with back patio?
1: Uh, I don't I don't think so. Not that I like like I love I really love this experience of working with Back Patio. They're like that. They are a fantastic publisher. Zach Smith is incredible to work with. Um, I like their vision. I like their aesthetic. I like their style. I like their commitment. But my thing with the fiction is, um, and it sounds kind of deranged, but I wanted to like break into the mainstream with it i wanted to see if like i could be good enough if my writing was up to the degree where i could get like a actual big book deal i could get like a an agent or i could get like a top named publisher Mm -hmm. um yeah
0: do you want an agent or do you want people to know that you have an agent right i don't know you know an agent is one of those things
1: they talk about and I don't actually know how helpful it is to the publishing and the writing. Like there's so many things in literature where it's like, is it, is this actually helpful or is this just like the brand? Mm-hmm. Cause like, I don't know. Th- there's so many instances of like an indie person breaking into the mainstream and getting like the top five book deal. And then it just tanks. Like it just yeah. doesn't sell. Like no one buys it, et cetera.
0: Well, like with the agent thing, I think like, that's one of the positives of a MFA and the connections you come out of it, like knowing more. I don't know if you know more of the business side, but you probably know more than you would know. Not going in you. Yeah. You probably know you have your like fingers
1: in the scene. Mm -hmm. I went to in college. I went to uh, AWP, one of those like writer conferences things. Oh, Really? Wow. And I, I talked to one of the, He's not involved now, but it was like a at the time an editor at a uh, Hobart, uh, the literary fiction site. Aaron? Literary site. Oops, sorry. Did you talk to Aaron? Ah, uh, it might have been Aaron, um, but I don't. I don't want to commit to that because I don't want to like put words in anybody's mouth. But he was talking about how like he got his MFA, and while he was at the MFA, someone was like, "Hey, do you want to work at this up and coming indie publisher?" And that's how he landed at. Hobart, like oh. you just like connections, you know, like.
0: Mm-hmm. So, if you had a bad experience, like trying to get your fiction into like a bigger publisher, would you go back to Back Patio and just have them publish it?
1: Yeah, yeah, probably.
0: Or oh, that's assuming they would want to. <laughs> but well, um, like, because you could publish it with them, and then if it if it really is. A quality, and it it would. I feel like it would take off, and then that's when agents like look at shit. Like that happened with a uh, Chloe Cadwell's book, Women, when she yeah. published it with Hobart. It kind of, it took off, and it's been published around the world. But you know, you do you do like what you want. I'm not going to like try to. Oh no no you yeah or something.
1: It's um. So Zach and I have had like this email friendship for years going on, and. He's, like, read all of my stuff. He's edited all of my stuff for free, which is incredibly generous of him. He's, like, been extremely supportive. And it was only this year where he finally was like, look, dude, let me publish your poetry. And I think it's because we both want to kind of break out of that indie bubble. Mm -hmm. I think... I don't know. I don't want to project anything onto him either. But, like, I think my goal with like the fiction collection is I want to make it, I want to be like a small online internet shit poster who picks up the book deal and makes it work and find some success. Um, and I think maybe that's why it took so long. Cause I, I guess I could have just published with back patio from the start, you know, like two years ago when I'd finished the poetry collection, but I didn't. And I think Zach was also holding out cause we wanted to, I don't know, just to see what, what I could do.
0: Mm -hmm. so do you want to with your fiction and like getting published uh with a bigger publisher are you wanting to make money or you wanting to be like taken serious
1: no yeah i'm i just want to be i guess taken seriously but i mean even saying that like i don't know like i released death egg and i don't i don't feel like i'm looking for validation with that like i don't know i i've been hearing feedback people like the book i'm confident in the strength of the book too and I'm like I'm proud that I put it out I think it's a good book and I don't I don't need like a million sales to tell me that I don't need like reviews in Vanity Fair I like I wrote it and I'm like alright this is a something I'm proud of um, I think it's more just like a I don't know just like a statement
0: mm-hmm. I
1: think it's like hey we in the indie scene write good shit too like we can produce stuff just as good as like fence books and wave books and penguin random house like take us seriously
0: do you think fence and wave are outside of indie it's like um i do but they
1: also like their moral mission when they started was to publish what wasn't traditionally publishable at the time like fence books mission statement is literally like we are creating this independent press because like this poetry is good and we couldn't get it published anywhere. I don't know. It's, it's funny cause it's like kind of a statement on how the industry just cannibalizes itself. Like they yeah. started out as this independent project and then they, I don't know. I still like the writers who come out of there. I think they're still great. I just think it's kind of like maybe insular, like you got to have connections to get published there. I'm not going to get like a book published with them.
0: Hmm. would you publish there
1: oh yeah absolutely i would i would sell
0: out in a heartbeat how would you i don't know if selling out still a thing yeah i don't i don't know people
1: i think fuck boy by sean sean conroy conroe that was viewed as like selling out that was a big Why? sellout that was controversial but i don't know because he went through tyrant so
0: yeah tyrant like was a big fan of his. Like, Jean yeah. was a big fan of his. I don't know how that's selling out. we are going through Tyrant. So we, how did, wait, how was that selling out? I don't know.
1: Uh, well, there's, a and again, I don't want to like speak for anybody, but there, there's like the huge controversy where Sam Pink was like, you're stealing my style. Um, and Sean was like getting reportedly like $200,000 for this book. Oh, And it was a it was a whole whole big thing. Yeah, I remember that for a little bit.
0: The Kmart poem. Yeah, talk about it. Do you know what page that's on? Sixty-seven. Oh yeah.
1: All right. Kmart realism. Ask short story idea. I'm hungry but going through divorce, so I drive to the gas station and buy chips and cheese dip that like cheesy globular dip stuff, and I eat alone in my car, and there's smeared cheesy handprints and fractals of neon light everywhere. Seems like the McRib is always back on the menu. I can conceivably imagine the last thought I ever have being back on the menu, my car careening into a highway guardrail.
0: I love this poem because it takes a shot at Kmart realism. And in like those sorts of stories, it feels like there's all these banal thoughts that usually in other, any other story would like, if you would write something, it should have like some importance to it. And it feels like in this poem, you're taking these banal thoughts and those banal thoughts end up like killing the speaker of the poem. And I love that.
1: Thank you. I think, um, I don't know, I think one goal I had with this is just, I think there's a lot of like self-righteousness that can get into writing. And I think like the whole, all the anime conceits, the video game references, the um, like even that poem, kind of the like more slapsticky nature of it. I think it's like, I'm just trying to check myself and keep myself in line. I, I never want to go like too big and yet too big of an ego in the poems. Um, so I try to make them a little bit self thwarting.
0: Do you think you probably could have published this at Taco Bell quarterly? problem yeah. Should have. Do sure. they they just do online
1: like they just do like submissions, right? They don't do books.
0: Uh I don't know yet. Maybe but yeah, they I, just do poetry. I probably, probably.
1: could have. I thought about submitting there a couple times. I just never got around to it.
0: A lot of people hate them. A lot of, a lot yep. of people like them. Uh, do you... So do you think uh, you write Kmart Realism? I don't...
1: I don't know because... It's almost like the label outlet. Like, yeah. I wonder if that time... Almost, it's not even genre at this point, but just a time period. And once that time has moved on, you can never really truly recreate it.
0: So you don't think you're resurrecting outlet like you and Zach Smith? No, if it might be a new take
1: on it. It might be a mm-hmm. variation, but um I think I think things have moved so far away from it.
0: So like it's like sorry, Gigi's, go on. Gigi's book, don't you think his is kind of like a take on Altlet?
1: I do. Yeah. Um Gigi's book, I love that book it really gives me like a vibe of like the early Tao Lin poems. Um, but even, even then, I mean, even when you're inspired by something or you're thematically writing on it, you're still building on it and it's going to mm-hmm. be different from the original. Like it's going to be a, a chimera of what it originally was.
0: And do you think you're doing that here with your poems from like writers from 10 years ago?
1: Yeah. i'm sorry my cat feeder's going off i
0: got distracted um
1: yeah i think the poems don't have a specific structure like a lot of these poems are different in structure and style and it's because like i was writing them while getting inspired by specific poets like i read um roberto bolano Bale- bolano Bale- Bale- Bale-
0: Milano,
1: yeah. <laughs> um, so I read I read a book of poetry by him Like way back in 2020 And from that book of poetry Just like inspired feeling that energy I wrote five poems that made it into Death Egg um, There's a couple poems in here I wrote Fresh off reading some of Tao Lin's new poetry um, There's a lot of stuff just inspired by Matthew Rower So like a lot of this is just I read something, it resonated with me I really liked it and I just wanted to experiment. I wanted to play with what they were playing with. I wanted to give myself like an attempt at that style.
0: How soon after do you read a poem and then you go and write something? Sometimes
1: it's like, actually, most times it's probably immediate. If it's not immediate, it won't happen. So it's like, I'll read the book and I'll be like, that's good. I got to like sit
0: down at my laptop and just like play with these words. So you read like an entire book or is there just one poem? or just like it's up in the air
1: uh i usually finish the book but um yeah usually just like there'll be that one particular poem that i'll i'll read the book and i'll like come back to that poem and be like ah i want to write something like that do
0: you steal from them
1: their poems um i take i take a lot of the format um and i also like um i'll take concepts and ideas there's a poem in Death Egg that's inspired by um, Basho, the haiku writer. Mm -hmm. And that's literally, it's inspired by him because it's literally alternating lines from his haikus with my own writing. Um, So yeah, in that sense, I will. But usually, usually the process looks like I'll read a poem and I'll be like, this is kind of the format it has. Um, Like I can see how they're starting. I can see the beginning, middle, and ending of the poem, and I just... I want to, like, take that structure. I want to take that format. Like, the way someone would, like, take iambic pentameter or something, I would try to do that. But usually, the process... Like, you you go through so many revisions, and you go through so many changes as you write that it... You would start off with a vision of what you want it to be, and by mm-hmm. the end of it, it's something completely different.
0: So you craft them in your head? You unspeak- I usually... um.
1: My process is I just keep a notes app and I write lines that I like and I just build and build and build and then I'll like sit down and be like, all right, this is the idea of the kind of general shape of the poem I want to write. I have like, maybe I'll have the beginning line or maybe I'll have the ending line but I'll be missing pieces and I'll go through all my drafts and I'll go through all the notes I have. Um, That's where a lot of the anime stuff comes in too because like, that started when I was just like, I was out of ideas. I was banging my head against walls against poems. And I like watched an episode of Digimon Mm -hmm. and like, they did a beam attack and it was like Gaia force. And I was like, that's a, that's a good line. Like that's a poetry line. So sometimes it'll be like that. Like I'll just write down a line and it it can happen. It doesn't have to be anime. It can happen anywhere. It can be like, I'm reading the newspaper and I see the word like bivalent booster. That's a great line. Like, I love Mm. that line. I used it in a poem. Um, so, yeah, I guess it is it is a lot of like just stealing little bits of the everyday and inserting it into a poem.
0: So you said when you were reading War and Peace that like you just sort of tr- turn your brain off and you don't like get inspired by those books. Do you think if you started writing novels a lot like you just had like 10 novels, you would start doing what you do with poetry, with novel writing? I don't be I don't know with
1: um fiction so far in my experience. I have a much better idea of what I'm setting out to do because like the poem will usually be like, all right, I know either where I want to begin or where I want to end Mm -hmm. and I got to fill in the blanks. But with fiction, I'll be like, oh, I have this idea of this character who does this and this and this. And there's steps to be filled in in between, but it like, there's a narrative art, like the, having the narrative really helps. Mm -hmm. Like, having actions that a character can do is a lot easier to work with versus poetry, which is nebulous. Like there are no characters in poetry. There is no action or inaction. It's just like, you're kind of in this amorphous space, piecing everything together.
0: Would you ever go like set out to write a poetry book where there were beats to it within every few poems? So there was like a character narrative arc. That could be, that could be interesting. Um
1: yeah, I think I could do that. I think maybe that's something I would have wanted more in Death Egg, mm-hmm. where I mentioned like the Death Egg a couple times throughout the book, but there's really no concrete building theme to that. The egg never like develops from beginning to end. And I think that's fine. Like maybe you don't want to force that too. Like there's a real risk in writing i think when you try to be too literary and you try to like make these high concept ideas a lot of the times you just gotta like let it happen as it happens
0: yeah because a lot of the times there's a speaker that talks about going through a divorce or being divorced was this was there any like character when you're writing these through them no that was um And I think that's like a lot of the repetitive
1: themes in the book where it's just like a concept I found. I was piecing, I was filling in the blanks of the poem and I was like, I need something. I need an action. I need a metaphor. Okay, it's like divorce. And then I could return to that idea and that image and that emotion because it's like a very visceral thing.
0: So you were saying you needed like uh, an action and then a metaphor. Do you like list these beats out in your head? When you're writing, like a list, um, things you need. Yeah, I I would do it. Again, it all it
1: all falls up in like the soup of my notes app, and I'll have like, object is like this, or I'll just like just like an interesting idea, or again maybe just like a newspaper headline I saw about like stock markets crashing or something. Okay. And as I'm as I'm filling in the poem, I'll be scanning my notes app, and I'll be like, this line fits in here. Like this is the missing piece
0: okay what's a good like if you're filling out a poem what's the best line to have in the middle as opposed to the starting point do you give like a general concept idea maybe that's a bad question i don't know
1: (laughs) no i think i think that's fine i think um i don't know if there are specific things because that was like something i struggled with actually writing where i like I'd have a line and I'd be like, well, this works anywhere. This is a really good opening line. It's a really good ending line. How do I know where it should go? Like, and that kind of ties back to just like, when do you know a poem is done?
0: Yeah, I've written
1: poems where I'm like, I could literally take this last line and that could be the start of like another poem. Mm -hmm. Like, where does it end and where does it begin? I think you just kind of like have to make arbitrary decisions in your brain.
0: That's true. So when you're, you said you're like into manga and stuff, are you ever going to like plan on going to Japan? Uh, no, no plans.
1: Um, I, I looked into it years ago and it was like, uh, isn't it like $5,000 just to get a ticket or something? I have um, no idea. Seems expensive, but, um, I would love to go to Japan. That'd be cool. Um, I've been to the UK. That's like the furthest out of America. I've made it. I've been to London a couple of times.
0: A couple times. Wow. Look at you. Would you ever move over there?
1: No. No, America. Uh, I, I love America.
0: Yeah? Why is it so much better than the uh, UK?
1: Uh, more opportunities, higher wages. We do have um, we have less uh, public safety, so you're probably safer in the UK. You don't have to deal with guns. You have better health care in the UK, which is nice. But uh, overall, no, I mean, I make plenty of jokes, but I think the US is just like, We're a really open, accepting, diverse country. Uh, There's really no one else on Earth like us except, like, Canada, and they don't really count.
0: Would you want to work in publishing?
1: I've um, I've done editing back in college. I worked for the College Magazine, and, like... I mean, I guess it just comes down to the job and who you're working for. Every time I've worked in publishing... I mean, I put that in like quotes because again, it was like college gigs. It was internships, but, um, it was just like really miserable and cynical, like, um, not really? the work, not the work itself. Like, cause I mean, you're getting paid to like read submissions. That's great. Like, that's a, that's a great gig. I would love that. But dealing with like the higher ups, mm-hmm. um, especially in like the college, cause you're dealing with like kind of this like academic bureaucracy, they're always over your shoulder. Uh, when I graduated school, I worked really briefly at this uh, a local press. The best I can describe them is they publish, like, coffee table books. Like, they publish books that look, look good on your coffee table. Um, and that was, like, the weirdest, most bizarro experience. Because, like, I was working with poets and people who, like, had a passion for writing. Mm-hmm. But they were doing the most cynical thing possible. And, like, we're going to publish, like... 50 fact book like a book on just like 50 crazy facts and like everyone's faking enthusiasm and i'm like what
0: like i want to like deal with real writing i don't know that's a good setting for a novel you have a lot of great experiences that would fit mattress salesman that's 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 not what i think yeah so wait uh what are your like story have you your stories that you're planning on publishing? Are there any like uh, that have already been published online?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, you can find them... Um, At Neutral Spaces? Uh, neutral Spaces, yeah. I have like a Neutral Spaces page if it's still up. I don't know if... Yeah, it, it is. is. Okay, yeah. Um, I have a Neutral Spaces page with links. But you can find it on I think X-Ray magazine. God, I, I can't remember. I have one that should be coming out next month, knock on wood. It's been like it's at kind of a bigger place and i've been waiting in the wings for like 6 months really so hopefully... wait
0: 6 months
1: yeah they were they were very apologetic too they were like hey it was supposed to go out in march when it was accepted and then they just had like they have such a backlog of stuff and the cycle of publishing that they're like nah, this is going to come out in october so hopefully they remember and publish me
0: so would you work for uh, like back patio like become the editor over there
1: um i don't i've been not with back patio but i've been offered some editing gigs Mm -hmm. and i just like unless i'm gonna make it my actual job i don't think i would do it um i think i just i'd be too scattered
0: what if zach came to you and said like i need you to take over my position i don't i don't think i would
1: do it um you'd say no zach No, Zach. Fuck you, Zach Smith. (laughs) No, um, I would have like imposter syndrome too, because, like, even just doing this experience of publishing with Zach, there are so many little small parts that go into making a book and just like getting it into a physical reality. And Zach handled all of that like a pro, Mm -hmm. which is partly why I wanted to be published. Like, if I'm going to be published in the indie community, I wanted it to be back patio because. I know Zach knows what he's doing and I know he cares about his product. And yeah, there's just a lot of stuff we went through where I was like, I would have no idea how to do any
0: of this. Hey, I read his little blog post on his blog and he said, he would like try to go to your uh, college and asked to do a reading and like, they never got back to him. Yeah. They like ghosted him. Does that offend you? Yeah. Especially I mean, because um,
1: I have classmates I graduated with who have also published books Really, and they got readings at the university. So oh I find that, like, slightly offensive.
0: I'm just like, really, guys? That's crazy. You would think a college would want to promote the people who went there and, like, published, went out and published books and not just, like, fucking ghost them.
1: I think it's, yeah. um, like, a lot of the people at my college who I worked with have left mm-hmm. to... So, like, I don't really have the same connections I used to. And I think um they've had a lot of budget cuts, too. The, their arts program has been getting gutted. So, I feel like maybe Ooh, it's a reflection okay. of that. I think it's, it's just, like, just the kind of decay of the institution in general, maybe.
0: Yeah. But, yeah. Okay, I think I'll let you go because my cat's screaming at me to be let out. Nice, yeah. All right, Is well, thanks anything, for having me. Anything you want to promote? Do you want to promote the Misery... Loves Company, reading? Yeah, uh,
1: this Friday, uh, what's the date? Friday the 20th, September 29th. I'm going to read at MLC, Misery Loves Company. Be there. Look for the Twitter link and uh, buy my book. Buy my book, Death Egg. Third result on Amazon. Third? Third result, yeah.
0: Wow. Look Last time man. I
1: checked. I don't want to jinx it.
0: All right, man. I'll see you later. All right. Take it easy. Thanks Thank for having for me. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, absolutely. Bye-bye. That's awesome. Bye. And that was Nathaniel Duggan, uh, writer of Death Egg. Go out, buy it, follow him on Twitter. I don't know his, his handle. It's very long. So, let me go. Mm.